Welcome to episode 500, My Dream Results. This is the 500th episode, so I wanted to use it as a milestone. Episode 000, I recommend listening to. It described the goals of the podcast. I recorded that one among the first couple ones and put it first to give an idea of what I expected to come and what I wanted to do. Well, now I'm 500 episodes in and I've developed a specific vision based on experience for the podcast. I've also been leading a lot of workshops lately. Attendees of those workshops will recognize this dream scenario that I want to talk about. What in my mission that I want to get through the strategy of this podcast. So my mission is, and this has evolved through experience. I didn't know this at the beginning, but is to change American and global culture to change the expectation of stewardship and sustainability from what I think most people expect is deprivation, sacrifice. It's a burden. It's a chore. And I want to change that to what I've come to expect and what guests of this podcast have come to expect is that it brings rewarding emotions. In my case, joy, fun, freedom, community, connection, meaning, purpose. Since the way that I work, I access and help people share their intrinsic motivation, their passions relevant to the environment that were there before I ever met them, and to act on those. And when they act on those, that imbues what they do with meaning and purpose. So they're not just doing it abstractly to save the world or because recycling is good, but because they have something that's like my sledding hill, something like the apple tree at the end of the block that they would pick apples from with their grandmother and bake pies with it that maybe one day got paved over to make a shopping mall or camping with their grandparents in the Pacific Northwest among the redwoods and seeing the salmon in the stream that later got replaced with Coca-Cola bottles and water bottles. Everyone has these experiences from their childhood or memories, or maybe it's a movie that they saw, something that makes the environment meaningful to them. And when they act on that for their reasons, not to save the world, not because sea levels are rising, although it is relevant, but because of something inside them, Well, that's the core of what I'm doing. And the podcast strategy is to bring this, what is now called the Spodek Method, to well-known, renowned people who are leaders of communities so that people in those communities hear someone's acting, someone that they know is doing something for their reasons, not because they have to, but because they want to. And look around. I don't see leaders of communities acting on their environmental values as opposed to doing something because they feel they have to or because they're supposed to or because it's trendy. We lack role models. You've probably heard something like, we are the average of the five people we look up to most or the five people we spend most time with. If that's the case, then hearing someone in your community acting and leaders of communities, we feel like they're in our community, loosely speaking. If I bring a very well-known person, you know, Oprah is the one I usually talk about, LeBron, Serena, Arnold, if you hear someone in your, that you consider in your community acting, that puts you 20% of the way to acting. I think that's going to be more effective than giving you facts and figures. I'm not saying don't get the facts and figures, but I don't think that they motivate people as much as community does. I'm not saying don't do other things. Please keep doing all those other things. People keep hearing me saying exclusively do this. This is what I'm focusing on. I'm not stopping others from doing other things. If there's something to vote on, I want to get those votes. And this is where I'm adding value. It's not the only thing. It's one thing that I'm doing that I don't see other people doing. Anyway, this trend, you see it in shopping habits, dressing habits, in voting habits, in smoking and drinking habits, installing solar. We do what our neighbors do. In my workshops, I lead attendees through the Spodek method so that they experience for themselves sharing their environmental values and acting on them so that they feel that meaningful, purposeful action. 
I also teach them how to do it themselves so that they can lead others through the Spodic method. The next step, after they've done the workshops, the next level is to teach people how to teach others the Spodic method because I don't want to be a bottleneck. I want this to spread to everyone so that everyone acts on their intrinsic motivations, not because they have to. Because when you do something because you have to, I think people often push back and they, it often leads people to dig in their heels. We might get compliance on one little thing, but we don't get people to do it because they want to. And I want to change culture so that people feel like acting in stewardship is like swimming downstream, not upstream. At the end of the first day of the workshop, people have felt the Spodak method. They haven't yet done their thing, but I think they feel the motivation to do it. And I want to make sure that they don't think this is just a one-off, one-to-one thing. This is not about just changing one person, although it does. It's about changing communities. Here is my dream result from the Spodak method. People have done my workshops. This is going to sound familiar to them. What I'm saying could apply to the CEO of any polluting company or someone in government. It could be Dow, McDonald's, Chevron, Coca-Cola. In the workshops, I pick the CEO of Delta, just for clarity, Delta Airlines. It could be any polluting company like that. Say it's the CEO of Delta. I'll do the Spodak method with him. Now, it probably wouldn't be on the podcast because you know lawyers and so forth, these people can't speak so much to the public. But say it's a one-on-one coaching relationship where I walk him through the Spodak method. The first time he does it, he'll share something that motivates him, you know, his version of that apple tree. I don't know what it'll be. I can't say because it'll be personal to him. But whatever it is, it will be personal to him. It'll be very meaningful to him. And after he shares that, I'll invite him at his option to think of something he can do to act on that. If he takes that up, he will find something he can do to act for his intrinsic motivations. Big or small is not the point. Most likely, it'll be something not particularly consequential, especially compared to how much a Delta Airlines plane pollutes but it will be meaningful and he'll want to do it again. And after he comes back and shares how it went, I predict he'll be open to doing it again. And in the dream scenario, we form a relationship in which he starts looking for more things that he can do. And at some point he's going to say, Josh, I realize what I have to do. I realize what I want to do. And it'll be for his motivation. I don't know what it'll be. Maybe it's for he's thinking about his family growing up or his family now, or maybe it will be competition with his peers. Maybe it'll be a legacy. Let's say, well, let's just pick that he wants to create a legacy. He wants to have something on his gravestone that will last centuries or millennia that people will remember him for. That sounds plausible. I think a lot of these people get to these high-level positions because they want to leave a legacy. But again, it's going to be his personal motivation. Maybe he'll point out something to me that I don't know, and I'll learn from him. But if not, eventually he'll see that he can achieve his goals through something very meaningful. He'll have researched and figured out. Maybe he'll say, we have to ground some planes. Not sell them off and make a subsidiary and and profit off it in some other way that people can't see and do some creative accounting to get net zero. Not sell them off to some competitor and make the profit off of that. Ground some planes. Say these planes, whatever he's in it for, whatever Delta Airlines stands for that he believes in to help people see the beauty of the earth or something like that, he'll realize we got to ground these planes. This sounds crazy. And he'll realize he just can't do this unilaterally. Just because he's CEO doesn't mean he can just choose to do something because the board will kick him off if they think this is against the profitability of the company. So he'll have to go, before doing the action, he'll have to go to the board, to the employees, to the shareholders, to the media, and say, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know exactly how it'll happen. Here's what's not going to happen that people fear might happen, is that his competitors will say, ha ha, now he's opened up an opportunity. We will fill that in, feeling like if we don't, then someone else will. How do I know that that won't happen? Because of historical examples, a couple big ones. CVS Drugs, the drugstore, CVS, I don't know if you're not in, uh, I don't know how big this is over in the United States, but it's pretty big in New York City. 
they decided to switch from CVS Drugs to CVS Health as a rebrand. And they realized selling cigarettes doesn't work, but that was their number one profit center. They went back and forth on this. All the advice they got said, don't stop selling your number one profit thing. If you don't, everyone else will. You gain nothing in not selling them. But they decided we had to stop selling cigarettes. Within 12 months, their profits were back up to before that. Their competitors had to start looking and say, oh, we got to do this too. Likewise, before that, New York City, and I think New York State, banned, I think the technical ban was banning cigarettes in the workplace to protect against secondhand smoke. Of course, this came not of the state just acting on its own or the government just acting on its own. This was after a long period of culture changing, often through deliberate action. I just want to look at one piece of it in this whole motion from cigarettes being normal and popular to cigarettes being unacceptable. New York City said no more smoke in the workplace, including bars and restaurants. Everyone said people like a drink after work. They like it to smoke when they drink. If we do this, we're going to lose business because people can just take the train across to New Jersey and they'll go to smoke in bars and restaurants across the river. If we don't do it, they'll get it somewhere else. And what happened? Within a few years, New Jersey had to ban cigarettes in bars and restaurants because people were going across the river to Manhattan from New Jersey because once they, they just didn't know what clean was before. And once they knew, they switched and they preferred having it clean. Likewise, when New York City said we're going to ban styrofoam for food containers, everyone said all these restaurants are going to go out of business. Nothing like that happened. The restaurants did just fine. The big example, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, when a few individuals, Thomas Clarkson, William Wilberforce, Granville Sharp, decided slavery was wrong, and they worked hard to ban slavery, to abolish slavery in the British Empire. Everyone said, if we don't do it, the Spanish, the Portuguese, the French, the Dutch, the Swedish, they'll do it. We gain nothing in not doing it. If we don't do it, everyone else will. In 1807, England banned the trading of human lives. They banned the slave trade, not the practice yet, but the slave trade. What happened? Did the other countries fill in the empty market? There were huge profits to be made. On the contrary, England now had the credibility and the motivation to get the others to ban it. And within quick succession, the Spanish, the French, the Portuguese, the Swedish, they all banned it, as did the United States, the slave trade. Of course, those of us in the United States know that it took several decades to ban the practice, but at least the slave trade was made illegal. Yes, slavery still exists today, but it's illegal. And these small number of individuals changed an empire. Actually, the entire human species view on slavery. At one point, it was normal. As far as we know, it was practiced since before human history in virtually every culture around the world, and now it's accepted nowhere. It's still practiced. There's a lot of work left to be done, but huge change came. And it, what did not happen was once it was made illegal in one place, the others filled in and said, oh, we're going to take the profits instead. And so what will happen when the CEO of Delta talks to the board, the shareholders, the media, the employees and says, we're going to stop running certain airplanes. We're going to ground some planes. Some of those employees, they got their retirements wrapped up in the share price. So they're going to have to say some people, they depend on this, but we also have some billionaires who invested. I don't know how it's going to work out because it's not my company, but they as a team led by this person are going to figure out how to make this work. They're going to go through the details, not just willy-nilly. They're going to figure this out and make it happen for mutual benefit. And their competitors, their peers, the rest are going to say, oh, my God, this is what we've had to do. We've known we've had to do this for generations. They did it first. We have to catch up. Their competitors are going to come to them and say, how can we do this too? Their suppliers, everyone's going to say, we must do this. And this man's legacy, people will remember him for centuries 
possibly millennia, because he will be the first to see and act on what everyone saw and knew had to be acted on but didn't to change a major corporation, not net zero, not creative accounting, not saying, oh, we're doing these little changes that aren't really meaningful changes. He's going to do it based on the science because he will do the research from this intrinsic motivation that he's got. And real, that's why he's, going to, he's not going to do it because he's faking it. He's going to do it because he really, he sees what those of us who study and understand what's going on realize has to be done. That we cannot live as a species, as a society, as stewards and burn fossil fuels like we do. This is, in my view, Buddha-level legacy. Buddha also relinquished his being a prince in order to live differently. And then he had the credibility and he was able to learn how to teach others to follow him and his legacy still lives. This, to recap, is my 500th episode dream and actually expectation scene. The CEO or the leader of a major company or organization or government will say, we have to go to zero. Maybe not everything all at once, but we've got to do this. We can't put it off. And for his or her intrinsic motivation inside that person, that person will decide what to do and how to do it. I'm not going to lead them in specifically what to do. They know their company best. They know their constituents best. They know their organization best. They will figure out how to make it happen. And their competitors that everyone says, if we don't do it, they will, will fall in line and they will copy. And then they will also want a piece of that legacy and they'll make it happen. This will be just the beginning of the next stage of not everybody feeling like, this is a burden, this is a chore, this is deprivation, this is a sacrifice, this is something we have to do, it's so awful, but what, what can we do? It will be people saying, why are we here? Are we here because we want to have comfortable, cushy lives and have airplanes fly? So we want to connect with other people. And we can connect with people. We do not need airplanes to do that. If airplanes didn't pollute, that, would be, that might be another story. But I will bring about leaders acting on intrinsic motivation who know their constituency and their communities best. They will learn the science. They will learn the business and leadership to get it done. For their own reasons, they will get it done. And I hope, I expect to be part of what makes that happen, to change culture, American and global culture, from expecting deprivation, sacrifice, burden, and chore to whatever that intrinsic motivation is for them, the satisfaction of that intrinsic motivation. For me, joy, fun, freedom, community, connection, meaning, purpose. For them, it might be something different. I don't know what it'll be, but it's there because we all care about the environment. We all want to be stewards. I hope you'll help me make it happen. Maybe you know high-level people at organizations like that. Maybe you know people who are very well-known, very influential. Put them in touch. They'll be glad to do it.